Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian podcast. I am really excited to be here today with my friend, Jared Kennedy. Jared, welcome to the podcast. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having a children's minister and an (laughs) editor on the Youth Pastor Theologian podcast. Oh, no, man. It's it's a pure delight. So, Jared, if you don't know Jared yet, then go find him on Twitter and follow him online. Uh, Just pure gold there. Uh, Jared is the—you're the founder of Gospel-Centered Family, is that right? That's right. Founder of Gospel-Centered Family, yeah. And you're the ministry editor at the Gospel Coalition. That's right. Um, so just really thankful for the ways that you have for years just faithfully served youth workers and next generation ministry leaders. And so in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about youth ministry and children's ministry and family ministries and uh, where those all intersect and how we can um, hopefully forge better collaboration across kind of next generation ministry leaders. Uh, before we get into that topic, I, I think it's always fun to hear a little bit more about our guests as their teenage selves. So when you were a teenager, Jared, who was your favorite athlete and why did you like them? So I grew up in South Georgia in the 90s, and so I'm a huge Braves fan. Um, and John Smoltz, uh was one of my absolute favorites and still is as an announcer. Um, but I also, I mean, since you're in the Northeast, uh, the other athlete that really uh, stood out to me my junior year in of high school in September was when Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, broke Lou Gehrig's record for consecutive mm-hmm. games played um, in yep. baseball. And so I went out and bought an Orioles cap and pretended that it was okay to be from the South and love Baltimore. Um, I love the Orioles. So, um, I adopted them as my American league team. And, um, and yeah, I, I just love Kyle Ripken's perseverance and his, um, you know, it it was a different era of baseball where you could play injured, but, um, you know, I really looked up to him for many, many years. Yeah. Well, and he is one of those players who, I don't, I mean, I'm not the biggest baseball fanatic. Um, uh, of course, I'm, I'm from the Boston area, so it's obligatory to love all things Red Sox or you have to move. Yeah, um, right. But n- I don't know anyone who's ever said anything negative about Cal Ripken. Right? So like he, he, just, he just seems like such a stand-up dude. Yeah. It seems like he just exuded character and mm-hmm. you just, you watched him play. Um, I, I had his baseball card like for every year and what stood out to me is we have like a similar hair color and I like watched his hair turn gray 
over over the years. <laughs> that's the only advice one. I was like, oh, that's my future. But so um, you can see what's coming. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, no, it seems like a guy who exuded character, who was who was who was faithful, who played his position, didn't um, uh. didn't ex- exalt in limelight, but um, was just faithful to his team over a number of years. And so I really, yeah. I really just still look up to that. Yeah, it's respectable. Um, yeah, the, this summer, my my youth group was on a missions trip in Atlanta, and we went to a Braves game, um, kind of to, yeah. to close out to kind of close out the week, and it was it was really a blast. It's it's a great atmosphere, great stadium, great city. So was that when I was in college, um, they played in Turner Field then and not at Truist, but um, mm-hmm. they had um, they had one dollar tickets for college students on Friday night uh, up in the outfield. So I mean, I think I was a Bible college kid, so we were like all yeah. there drinking Coke the whole time. I think they expected yeah. that they were going to make money on beer if they had the college students. Probably, the well, and they probably did, <laughs> and they probably just did. not from you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, no, I um, love the Braves. All, have been to all three stadiums that have been there in in my yeah. lifetime, and um, thankful that we're we're good again. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it, yeah, and the Red Sox, on the other hand, whew, it is yeah, not great. Well, not great. We can we can exalt in our uh, <laughs> shared hatred of the Yankees. So, yes, and amen. <laughs> Yeah, in Christ, in Christ, we are still one. But thanks be to the gospel that unites, because otherwise, yeah, Yankees fans in Boston churches get, um, yeah, we are united in Christ, but there, there is some animosity. I'm not gonna lie. Um, um, was, all right, well, about the fact we could that, like the Aaron Judge is about to break the. the oh, big... people don't know what to do. Yeah, people yeah. don't know what to do with with the whole is Drudge coming to the Red Sox because he has been the villain, um, and yeah, people just don't know what to do. Like, if he comes, do I actually root for him? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. Awesome. It's weird. All right, well, um, hard pivot to <laughs> youth and children's ministries. Um, yeah, so you have um, some experience uh, leading children's ministries, writing books for uh, children's ministry leaders, and um, books for children, actually. So I'd love to hear you just share a little bit about some of the stuff that you've written. Um, so w- would you just kind of walk us through the books that you've written, uh, what are they about, and why everyone who listens should buy like 25 copies for their churches? Yeah, well, this is super embarrassing. Um, so, um, yeah, I think my first um, first thing I published is our children's ministry wrote two vacation Bible school curriculums, and um, we worked with New Growth Press to publish them. Um, my friend Marty Machowski, who's one of the he's a pastor in the Philly area and is one of the acquisitions editors for New Growth, talked to me about publishing that, and so we have a a VBS that uh, teaches the doctrines of grace called Proof Pirates, and another one that teaches about the heart of worship through the life of David called Clap Your Hands, Stomp Your Feet. Um, and then I have a real passion for uh, the toddler and preschool set. Um, 
I just, just building theological foundations at a youngest age and teaching our youngest kids sort of a basic vocabulary of the faith um, as they grow up through children's ministry. And so I wrote a, a book called The Beginner's Gospel Story Bible that through 52 stories shares about God's promises through the scriptures. There are a number of board books now that um, are sort of derivatives of that work um, that uh, one for Christmas, one for Easter, uh, one about the life of Jesus, one about the life of Moses. Um, another one that's going to be um, stories from um, Joshua and David um, about uh, God's victory over his enemies that's coming out in November. Um, but th- those board books are, are from the story Bible and, and teach about God's promises and teach really... I. I, what I hope they're teaching is a basic vocabulary of the faith for um, our youngest kids. Um, and then recently with Crossway, I wrote a book called uh, Keeping Your Children's Ministry on Mission um, that is about um, leading a children's ministry and having a gospel-centered approach uh, to children's ministry. Um, and yeah, I guess there's two other things. One, um, Megan and I wrote a book on uh, how to plan a child dedication. And then I wrote a little booklet with uh, the ERLC on teaching kids about gender um, and sort of navigating struggles with uh, sexuality and gender identity, um, which is something that with an inner city youth group was something that we we had just a number of conversations about um, in my time in ministry. Um, and so um, hopefully those are our service to your audience and to, and to churches. Yeah, and I, and I assume the the one the one singular place to be able to find the links to all those would be Gospel Centered Family would be a good place to go yeah. and find all those resources. Family dot com, um, and there's a books tab there. I think it's backslash yeah. books, but yeah, there's yeah. a books tab there. All right. So in all of your your experience and conversations, I mean through through GCF and TGC, you, you've had a lot of exposure to other children's ministry leaders and, and churches um, around the country and likely around the world as they're reaching out. Um, so what are some common misconceptions of children's ministry that y- you would encourage people to to correct and, and to avoid? Yeah, I mean, I think probably the biggest one that you hear about all the time is, is that children's ministry is not child care. Um, and I think that's a misconception that for the most part has been corrected with those who are in ministry, but that is still something that's there uh, for the average church member. And, and so really being able to, um, and one of the things that I I really want to encourage children's ministers in is casting a vision for what you're teaching and, um, and the kind of discipleship you're doing during, uh, the preschool and elementary years in order to uh, really encourage the people of your church not to see the children's ministry as childcare. Um, I, I think the second misconception is just that um, uh, children's ministry teaches a watered down theology. Um, my friend, uh, Sam Luce, um, who's a children's minister in uh, upstate New York, who is a Yankees fan, um, sadly, I know Sam. Um, yeah, we've had this conversation. Yeah, but yeah. so anyway, Sam, Sam talks about um, a, sort of the difference between a distilled theology 
and I diluted theology. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I, there's a possible way of teaching the Bible where you take the depth of the message out um, and you just kind of reduce what you're teaching to the least common uh, mm-hmm. denominator. And so instead of Jesus tied for sin, that Jesus wants to be your friend. Um, but what I'm hoping to encourage in children's ministers is a concentrated, um, distilled version of theology for the next generation um, that is taking the complicated, you know, vocabulary out that is teaching this at an age appropriate level. Um, but it's still really clear on the major categories of the gospel. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's a misconception for a lot of people who volunteer to serve is, um, I don't need to study for this lesson cause I'm teaching kids. Cause it's just, it's just kind of watered down stories of what I've always heard all my life. But sometimes you actually need to study more because you've got to, you've got to communicate really big truths at a very simple and clear level. And it takes work to be able to do that and think about that in a, in a distilled clear way. Um, so I, I think that's one of the biggest, um, misconceptions is, is this idea that we're teaching a watered down, uh, Bible truth. Um, and I don't know, maybe a third one is that, uh, um, Children's ministry is JV ministry. Um, yeah. I, and I, I think youth ministry gets that too. Um, this idea that if you're ministering, not ministering in the adult gathering, if you're not doing worship ministry or preaching ministry, um, you're doing JV ministry. Um, and I think that's the one you actually see in the pages of scripture that the disciples themselves during Jesus's ministry, uh, when folks were bringing children to Jesus, thought that was JV ministry, thought it was something Jesus was too busy to do. He had more important things to do than yeah. minister to children. And Jesus from the very beginning is correcting this assumption um, that children's ministry is not kingdom ministry. Uh, that children's ministry is not varsity kingdom ministry. Um, mm-hmm. And actually Jesus says, when you welcome one of these children, you welcome me. And unless you receive the kingdom like you receive one of these children, um, then you won't receive it. Um, And so I think, you know, dependent people are really difficult. And so whether they're um, needy, people are really difficult, whether they're needy because they're kids and they're young or they're needy Mm -hmm. emotionally or they're needy, um, uh, you know, just because they have needs where, whether they're, in, in poverty or, or have a disability and they, they have needs ministering to someone needy is difficult. And yet the life of the kingdom, the shape of the kingdom always moves toward need. Um, the mm-hmm. cross always moves towards, uh, sinners. It, ne- it moves towards those who have greatest need. And so what I've discovered over the years is that, um, one of the things that children's ministry trains a minister to do, is move toward the neediest place, toward the mess, toward the dirtiest place. Um, it teaches ministers in a, in a real sense of theology of the cross um, yeah. that not just preaches a message of the cross, but has a life of ministry that that embodies the life of a cross that moves toward need. 
Um, and in that sense, sometimes children's ministry looks like more varsity ministry um, than than the ministry that gets celebrated. And so, mm-hmm. um, uh, those are the misconceptions that I I think about when I think about children's ministry. Yeah, yeah. no, th- those are those are gold. Um, w- one thing I- I'm curious uh, that that kind of just struck me as you were talking. Um, one of the misconceptions that comes to mind for me that I think you literally embody is that children's ministry is for women, right? Okay. Um, so can you speak for just, um, I don't know, a minute about being a man in the children's ministry world? And um, yeah, oh, that's pretty open-ended question, but yeah. does that make I mean, sense? I've, I've had some really good models. Um, who modeled this for me. And so I, I mentioned Marty Machowski earlier, mm-hmm. um, David Michaels at Bethlehem Baptist. When I first started in ministry, I called him just to talk through like our baptism process at our church and what yeah. they did at Bethlehem. Um, and I think both of those guys modeled for me gentle, a gentle manhood um, yeah. that was strong, that was secure. Um, um, that didn't feel insecure about being in, in the children's wing and, um, and loved kids well. Um, and so I feel like I've had really good models to look up to in that. Um, I don't know that that answers your question. When you asked the question though, that's what I thought about was just thought about those two guys and what they've modeled. Um, yeah, I, I love Matthew 18. Um, there's this throwaway line in D.A. Carson's little commentary on Matthew, um, where he mentions the fact that the whole discussion in Matthew 18, uh, which is about welcoming, um, when Matthew 18 starts, uh, it's about Mm -hmm. welcoming children and becoming like children, being the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, um, uh, there's this throwaway line in his commentary where he says this probably took place at Peter's house um, because that's the mm-hmm. last like setting that was described yeah. in the book of Matthew. And so this kid that Jesus takes and places among them was probably Peter's kid. And so when yeah. he's teaching become humble like a child, he's looking at Peter and taking his own like child, most likely, and putting him there in front of them. And he's like, Peter, unless you become like your kid, your needy kid, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, and it just, uh, that line, throwaway line in his commentary, but it, it just struck me as like, I'm the dad who um, loves to play Nintendo Switch and loves to watch Marvel, but can easily get distracted and like think my kids are bothers and not like be present at home. Um, but Jesus puts the kid right in front of his disciples faces and say, be there present with them. So here's his 12 men that are with him for three years, um, and puts children as, and presence with children as the model of the kingdom right in front of them. Um, yeah. And I, I just think uh, if you feel like manly ministry it never gets present with kids, then, then your ministry la- lacks chest. 
So mm-hmm. I, I think that, Amen. Amen. I, I think that's where I, I mean, he, Jesus models this for us and we need to model that. And so I work with a lot of women who do a lot for children's ministry. And I, I don't, I don't think that's second tier. Like, I think there are a lot of women that are called, um, to be godly moms and to be godly children's ministers. Um, I don't think churches necessarily need to have a family minister or a, or a children's minister that is a dude. Um, but I think pastoral ministry in general, um, has to value the next generation, uh, in order to be a Christ-like ministry. And, um, and that's something that, um, I just really want to encourage. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so as, as we think about youth ministry and, and children's ministry, what are some areas of commonality and differences between ministry to children and youth? Yes, the most obvious um, difference is developmental stage, and um, and so and I, and I think we've been talking about how kids are a model of dependence and a model of humility. Um, as as they get older, they become more independent and more able to do things on their own. Mm-hmm. And so, I think especially when you talk about like toddler preschool ministry or nursery ministry, um, there's a lot more care involved. And so children's ministry is not childcare, but it is, you know, in the sense that kids at that young age are much more dependent and they need their diapers changed. They've got to be walked in the bathroom. They've got to, you know, they're, they were feeding them a snack, those kinds of things. And so there's a level of, um, just the dependence level that's really different. And I think we've got to be in tuned to, uh, the different ways younger children learn at their life stage than older children do. And so mm-hmm. we're doing a lot more crafts, a lot more teaching through, um, through, through games and activities and that, and that schedule structure, structuring the time rather yeah. than the teaching outline, structuring the time, um, in children's ministry than in youth ministry. Um, I, I think commonalities, um, all ministry is people centered ministry and is relational ministry. Um, and the best, I think, I think we can tend to think, um, that and this is more of a critique of those of us in the children's ministry world. Um, but I think we can tend to think of children's ministry as more of a program, um, and of running a, a program, administrating a program really well. Um, and as youth ministry being more relational, ministry. Um, but I think the best children's ministry is, uh, is relational and, uh, builds relationships with kids over time. Um, so I, and I, I think it's those oftentimes those relationships, um, that are built during that children's ministry time is what, uh, models the fact that the church is trustworthy, you know, and, and then you see the fruit of that as kids move toward the, the youth ministry season and begin to own their faith. Um, so I think that relational uh, part of ministry. Um, yeah, and then uh, on the youth ministry side, I think the things, one of the things in my work with youth ministers over the years 
um, supervising a few at a local church and then um, in, in some coaching situations. Um, I think, I, you know, but probably because of the history of the youth ministry movement and the church growth movement, um, youth ministry is a very contextualized, outreach-oriented ministry historically. And um, sometimes what's happened is that that youth ministers really focus on reaching the youth and building the relationships with the youth to ne- the neglect of having a relationship with parents. Um, right. And sometimes even to a neglect of, of discipleship-oriented thing. I mean, your ministry definitely is confronting that. Um, yeah. But I think one of the things that uh, kind of putting our youth ministers— beside children's ministers and saying, Hey, teach me how you relate with parents. Teach me how you communicate to parents on a regular basis, what check-ins look like, just even the skills of, Hey, when, when an incident goes down, how you kind of have a conversation with a parent about that. Mm -hmm. And, um, are things that I think youth ministers can really learn from children's ministers. And then I think because children's ministry was less connected to church growth, kind of an outreach oriented movement and more at least initially connected to a Christian education movement. There has been historically, I think more of an orientation toward discipleship in the kids wing. And so um, youth ministers kind of learning from that, like what does it look like to um, uh, create a curriculum plan <laughs> for your, yeah. for your youth yeah. ministry? What does it look like to ha- to, put learning goals in place, those kinds of things that children's ministers have been thinking about for a long time. And so I think those are ways that, that youth ministers could learn from children's ministers where there may be more commonality than we um, typically think about. Yeah, that that's really helpful. So how, how do you suggest youth workers and children's ministry workers actually collaborate and, and share kind of the relational side, the the programmatic side, and um, yeah, strengthen each other. What does that, not just in theory, um, but in practice, what does that look like? Are there any good models or good examples that you've seen and experienced? Yeah, I mean, I think one is spending time together on a regular basis and asking questions like, how do you interact with parents? Like, what do those conversations look like? Um, how do, when you think through your discipleship plan for the age groups you're working with, how are you thinking about that? How are you putting that in place? And so I think asking those questions, um, when I sit down to coach a family ministry team through gospel centered family, one of the big questions I ask is, um, when an eight, if a, if a, if a kid is in your church from zero to 18, look at that graduating senior and ask the question, what do you want them to have experienced during their time at your church? Mm-hmm. And so I, and I, and then I want to kind of break that down into what do you want them to have learned from a content standpoint? What do you want them to have learned from a spiritual discipline, from a, a life, like a Christian life standpoint, how to live the Christian life? What kind of experiences do you want them to have had uh, from a from a missional standpoint? Do you want them to have gone on a mission trip, that kind of thing? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. and, and then ask that children's and youth ministry together to de-engineer that and walk back step by step and say, okay, these are the things we want by the time they graduate. When are they going to be taught those things? When are they going to first, um, you know, be introduced to those spiritual disciplines? When are they going to first be introduced to going and serving um, outside of themselves? Um, and and I think that's the kind of thing that can allow children's ministry to set up a youth ministry well, to say, okay, we're actually going to teach the books of the Bible to the kids in elementary years, teach them how to look up things so that when they're sitting through a little longer sermons later on, they like actually know how to use their Bibles. They know how to take notes and listen to a, to preaching, you know, that kind of thing in the, you know, teach some basic biblical literacy in those younger years so that kids are ready to engage that when they enter, enter youth group. Um, what does it look like to teach, um, you know, the 10 commandments and the Lord's prayer and the apostles creed at a, at a yep. memorization level younger so that, um, you know, those are actually thought about from the standpoint of Ten Commandments, Christian ethic, Lord's yeah. Prayer, Christian discipline, yeah. uh, Apostles' Creed, basic systematic theology. Um, yeah. As kids get older, so you know, what does it look like to to expand that out over the years, yeah. um, so that there's a good partnership between? Um, and then I think I, I think probably what maybe comes more natural for uh, children's and youth ministers, and maybe this is the best place to start, is just like, what does that handoff look like uh, for the fifth and sixth graders? And so, um, yeah, I, I th- and I think in my experience, the ways that's been done best is, um, yeah, just two things uh, for children's ministries that have um, gathering kind of teaching environments, large group teaching environments. Um, you've probably got like skilled teachers who were doing that large group teaching environment in your, in your children's ministry. Um, your youth pastor is a skilled teacher, like invite him in to do that in children's ministry so that especially those fifth graders who are getting tired of being in children's ministry and are thinking this is for babies. Like you give them something to be excited about like that they're moving into next. So if you can like bring the youth minister down in the children's ministry some to do some of the large group teaching there, you cast a vision for being part of, of youth ministry later on. So I I think that's one thing. Um, I I think another uh, would be uh, one thing. um, I think the village church in Texas did this where fifth grade Sunday school teacher when would be also be the same as the sixth grade small group leader in youth group. Okay. And they would just stay with the kids for that two year period to like help them transition over. Okay. Um, yeah. That's interesting. And that like fifth and sixth grade environment, like yeah. just because the teacher was already doing that, they were thinking about transitioning out of children's ministry and the youth ministry already. And yeah. so I've always thought that, those kinds of creative ways of thinking about like really intentionally making the fifth and sixth grade year, maybe seventh grade in some churches, but like making that a um, transitional time that we're intentionally in being intentional about the transition, um, which really is going to require, you know, the children's minister can't do their own thing and the youth minister do their own thing or the, 
children's ministry team and youth ministry team kind of do their own thing. You've got to yeah. talk about how to how to make that happen for that to yeah. go well. Yeah. So I'm thinking about churches that are small, right? I mean, uh, in my current church, um, you know, obviously I'm the youth pastor, and Anne is the children's ministry director, and uh, we have a, a part-time nursery director, and um, yeah, you know, so it's there's a team that's staff. Um, my last church, I was the pastor of youth and families, um, so I oversaw the whole kit and caboodle from from nursery through um, through graduation, and um, I, I primarily led and directed the youth ministry, but I and oversaw the children's ministry, and that was the verbiage in my in my job description. Um, so, you know, it would be it, it was frankly it, a bit overwhelming. <laughs> um, so I kind of. To be frank, just let the children's ministry volunteers uh, who had been running the children's ministry for decades, um, I kind of just let them run and you know kept asking you know what do you need from me? What do you need? How can I help? How can I support? Uh, a few you know redirects here and there, um, but it was all volunteer run. It was all very small. Nothing was broken down by by grade. So even if we wanted to do a a fifth grade and sixth grade, you know, rotation of, of the, there was no potential for anything like that. Um, so for a small church where, where it, it's lots of volunteer run, maybe there's a youth pastor, maybe is full time, maybe is part time. Children's ministry is led by volunteers. Uh, what does that type of partnership and collaboration look like when the children's ministry is run? by a volunteer team, probably by parents. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I actually think it's healthier in some ways um, because it's going to have to be so relationally driven. It can't be program driven. And so um, I think one thing, uh, you know, you talked about allowing them to do their thing with some redirects, what were the contexts in which those redirects took place? I mean, what, how a lot of it had to do with curriculum. Um, a lot of it was curriculum. Some of it was introducing Awana and do we do that? Do we not? Do we can't, you know, do we shift? And it was a lot of it was kind of the big bones skeleton type of stuff, not the soft ministry, but the structural stuff that I helped them kind of rebuild. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think finding environments to get the leaders together and ha- have very, um, very non-threatening, very like organic. I guess it's organic is like ministry code language for disorganized. But um, I, you know, having having those kinds of discussions where you can get the leaders together and just talk together um, and yeah. kind of hear their vision for the ministry, which may not be very forward thinking. It may just be, Hey, here's what we've done forever. That kind of thing. Um, but being able to give a lot of encouragement to them and be very present, you know, to them. And then where you see opportunities for partnership between what's happening in youth ministry and children's ministry, 
to do those little redirects toward that, I, I think is the most important thing. I don't, I don't think you need a big structure. Um, you know, we believe the believers have the Holy spirit. And so, um, I think what happens oftentimes is where, uh, you gather that group of leaders together and you're prayerfully thinking about, uh, your ministry to families as a whole church, the Holy spirit very often brings a lot of unity and uh, the person you least expect will, will bring up a great idea that will be catalytic for, for the next season of your ministry. And so I think the role of the, the pastoral leader, whether that's the youth pastor or, 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 or the lead pastor, if you're the only staff person or associate mm-hmm. pastor, if they're the only staff person is to create some environments where you can have leadership of both the children's ministry and the youth ministry together. Um, and, and you're praying together and thinking about the ministry together. And then where you have those kind of opportunities for redirects, whether that's in content with curriculum, uh, kind of milestone or like what a transition looks like for, for fifth and sixth graders or, um, or even things like, um, yeah, in my experience with small churches, a lot of those conversations are just like the youth ministry leaders, like who's coming up next year. And yeah. it's like, Oh, our fifth grade class is all boys. Yeah. And they're like 10 rambunctious boys. Well, that like affects the kind of games you do. Like it affects the it kind does. of like youth ministry yeah. you do the next season. And if you just like, get together and you kind of talk about that. I mean, maybe, you know, this intuitively because you walk past the children's thing on Sunday morning church, and you, and you know, who's in that class. But, I, but I think if you're like intentionally talking about it and you, you ask questions like, Hey, what works with these boys? What, what doesn't, um, when have they been most engaged in, in scripture? When, um, you know, what, how, how long does your Sunday school discussion last? And, when do you transition to the basketball goal outside or, or to, you know, those kinds yeah. of things, it like yeah. helps set up the youth leader for success later on. If you just have that conversation. And, um, so it, it doesn't have to be formal, um, or programmed. Um, but I think having intentional conversations, uh, between the leaders who were over kind yeah. of the two areas, um, is super important. I think that's brilliant because it's so simple and it's so easy <laughs> that we just sometimes we just don't do that because it seems like such a no-brainer and it's so easy that we just we don't even think to to have those basic no-brainer type of conversations. So, yeah, that's a good word. And I I would just actually say too like if the youth minister in I mean, I don't know, like um Youth pastors typically feel neglected, but like the rest of the staff thinks that they're like the rock star staff person. And so uh, that like all the young parents love so much. Um, so I, I think the youth minister instigates that kind of conversation yeah. with children's ministry leadership. That would go such a long way. Um, yeah. And and just being humble and teachable and asking good questions will go, will go yeah. a long way. Yeah, it's a good word. As um, there's so much gold in here, and I'm so thankful for you, Jared. Uh, as we wrap up our conversation, 
there any final word or, or final admonitions that, that you want to share with us? Well, I just, one thought that kind of came as we were talking about that, uh, I was having a conversation yesterday with, uh, uh, a guy named Henry Williams. He's a family pastor actually now, um, at, um, uh, five Oaks E free in St. Paul, Minnesota. And, um, and they have like their children's ministry has become known as the like special needs children's ministry Mm. in their city. Um, but he's recognizing like these kids with unique needs are, are like moving into like fifth and sixth grade. And he's like, we have nothing for them in youth ministry. And he's just, he's just beginning to like think ahead about who the kids are in the children's ministry and what that's going to look like during the youth ministry years. And he's asking questions about, okay, how do we get ready for them in our, our youth ministry environments? Um, and I, I just think that was yesterday, a great model for what we were just talking about. It's just the like intentionality. Um, I think we can think intentionality in terms of what curriculum are we using or do we have a child protection plan or, like what are the program, what is our discipleship strategy yeah. or discipleship program? But even just asking the question, like who are the people, who are the sheep? Like who are the sheep that are in the mm-hmm. children's ministry now that are going to be moving up yeah. into youth ministry? And how do we adjust the ministry in order to love them? Well, yeah. um, and so anyway, I was really thankful for Henry asking the question yesterday. And um, so I thought I'd share that as we close. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that is a really good and convicting <laughs> word to to end on. So, Jared, thank you so much for your friendship. Thanks for your ministry. Thanks for uh, gospel-centered family and uh, for your work uh, advocating for youth and children's ministry with TGC. Um, yeah, so go check out uh, Jared's materials on gospel-centered family and. Um, yeah, I, I really believe that they will bless and enrich in your ministry and your partnership with the children's ministry in your local church. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.